Hello and welcome to the Ozaran Podcast. I'm hey. Liam Gannon. And I'm Brian. And t- today we're talking about video games. I really? You, yeah. Oh man. Um, so let's start with last week's poorly remembered game quote, which was... Oh god, if I knew this was going to happen, I would have taken rope escape lessons more seriously. So if you got that at home, uh, well done. It's a, I think it's a, a bit of an obscure one. From a, a not very obscure game. Yeah. Um, I know that a couple of people got it. Um, can you tell us what it is? It's Yuffie from Final Fantasy VII when yeah. they are in Wutai. Yeah. Uh, so they're on like, is it Dachau Mountain or something? I guess. She's just been kidnapped by Don Corneo, who oh, is yeah. the, um, sleazy underground mafioso yeah. from Midgar. He's the scumbag from the slums. Yeah. And I can't remember exactly why he shows up. I think he's just there. To get revenge? I, I honestly can't remember why he's there kidnapping people. It's an interesting one as well, because it's a completely uh, optional quest. Yeah. Um, like you, a lot of people complete the game without even getting Yuffie in their party. Yeah. Uh, and then this is kind of like her side quest. It's like about her her village and... Her sort of like background story and stuff. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting to see um, him turn up, because he was a kind of early character in the game yeah. and then... It throws a few sort of, I don't know, curveballs at you a wee bit in that it takes all of your materia away from you. Mm. So you can't use magic unless you buy items. So you can buy a bolt plume or whatever from right. the shop and then use that. So all your command materia is gone, you know. Uh, and then also you team up with the Turks. This is all spoilers, but it's a 20-year-old game. <laughs> yeah. Um, you team up with the Turks who are your, if you haven't played it, they're like the bad guys um, or some of them. Because he's also kidnapped the female member of the Turks, Elena. They are an elite task force, yeah, uh, which operates under the president of Shinra. Yeah, they sort of do the they're they're sort of characterized as being the ones who do the dirty work. Yeah, there's no job too violent or despicable for the Turks, I guess. But they're um, they're great. Like they really kind of make the game. <laughs> yeah, I think St- Steve got that this week. Yeah, he did. He um, messaged me accusing me of it not being an obscure quote. Right. I would I would disagree that the quote is the quote is obscure. The game is not. Yeah. I, I think I think especially because it's it's buried in so much dialogue. Yeah. Like that game has a lot of dialogue. We can't play it in context because it's all uh text, it's all like written. Yeah. But it's such a big game in terms of the story and the number of lines that it's it's obscure. Because not only is it an optional quest, yeah. but it's buried in a lot of other content. I mean, if you were going to quote Final Fantasy VII, there are so many lines that you could pick as well. Yeah. Um, and I would say to Steve that he clearly knows the game really well. He's a big Final Fantasy fan. He is. Um, so I would think that maybe there'd be people who have played Final Fantasy VII and have definitely heard of it, hmm. but would not immediately think of that line. We actually had an incorrect answer. Yeah. I won't say who it is because that's not fair. Okay. Because uh, I'm not making fun. I'd be interested but, to know what they thought it was though. Uh, they thought it was Broken Sword 2. Right. Okay. Which is a fair guess because it's kind of line that would be in it and also and George he knows gets himself that I'm, tied up yeah. quite a lot. <laughs> and he knows that at least I'm a massive Broken Sword fan. Yeah. Um, and I, I would think that, that that answer just shows that this because he knows Final Fantasy as well mm. so it just goes to show that it is an obscure quote. Mm. Not to not to get at Steve, who um, gave an excellent correct answer. Yes, for- Steve. For being such a smart <laughs> You win. You win my condescension and uh, dickery on the podcast. Yep. Sorry. We uh, we don't have a prize for that. It's, no. gone, it's gone back to just being for fun. So, yeah. uh, you know, um, I guess I guess Steve would be kind of exempt, don't know. He, he gets every answer, usually. Yeah. And he's kind of a, a friend of the podcast. 
in the fine print, we'll have to have no Steve prizes. He yeah, knows yeah, yeah. too many games. Yeah, no prizes for Steve, who is arguably our, our first regular yeah. listener. <laughs> Should we move on? Yeah. Um, not, not a lot in the news this week. No, uh, there's a couple of stories. Mm. I know that, that you, you've got some Sonic news. <gasps> I do. Uh, really quickly. Uh, unfortunately, the, the game has been pushed back to summer. I think we were saying it was uh, quarter quarter one or quarter two. Yeah. Um, but they, they announced this week that it's been pushed back. Um, which is fair enough. Like you don't want to release a game if it's not finished. Yeah. Uh, additionally, they showed a short snippet of a new level, the Flying Battery Zone. Right. Which is based on the the level from Sonic Knuckles. Sonic. Knuckles. I mean, o- almost exactly. I mean, they, they what they showed it could have been ripped it. from Sonic and Knuckles, so it didn't leave us a lot to to go with. No. But it's quite cool to see that stage making a return. That sort of compounds on this Sonic Mania. Is almost a celebration of Sonic. Yeah. In a, in a different way to something like Sonic Generations is, where Sonic Generations is legitimately just a sort of a revisiting of specific levels. Hmm. Whereas this is kind of, I mean, well, I guess this is also a revisiting of a specific level, but the way it does it is more capturing the feeling of the levels rather than any sort of specific features yeah. of the level. So in Sonic Generations, the classic levels are 3D rendered. And um, they're completely recreated, whereas yeah. these are kind of like paying homage to the style of the classic levels in Sonic and the classic kind of gameplay feel, which is quite nice. In terms of delaying a game to make sure it's finished, mm. this is something we've heard a lot recently from games that have turned out to not be so finished. But with this one, it does make you sort of worry a wee bit, but we have seen so much of the game that it's kind of hard to imagine that it won't come out in a finished state. Yeah. Um, also... Uh, in terms of the people who are working on it, I always like to mention Christian Whitehead. Yeah, yeah. Um, because he does such a great job of the, the, the ports on the iOS and Android. Yeah. And the game just looks... I'm really excited. I'm yeah. not even like a massive fan of Sonic. Uh-huh. I'm like somebody who... Obviously, everyone knows Sonic. And obviously, a lot of people have played Sonic as a kid. Yeah. And I've played Sonic games here and there. So I've always enjoyed Sonic. Uh, I'm obviously not as big a Sonic fan as you are. Mm. Um I think back in my day, it was uh, you, you were either a Sonic fan or a Mario fan. Yeah. And the Sonic fans that I knew were quite obsessed. Like, we, we bought the comics, we drew artwork. I had a, a wall full of Sonic memorabilia when I was a kid. Um, whereas my first game console was the PlayStation, mm. which would not have had Sonic or Mario. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm aware of them. I played them at other Francis, but um, even I'm looking at it and I'm like, this is going to be fun. Hmm. Time will pass quickly. We'll be playing that. Oh, there's, there's so much to play until it comes yeah. out anyway. Um, I think it's it's maybe a sensible move on their part to, to push it forward a bit, especially yeah. if there's not a lot else on the, the calendar uh, when it's being like pegged for release. Yeah, well, that's the thing. The front half of the year has been really release-heavy, and if you look at the calendar for the later half of the mm-hmm. year, there's not a lot in, in like, solid sort of yeah, um, just, releases. Yeah, just kind of, like, block, block releases, like, yeah. quarter three and four. There's a couple other things i'd like to talk about the division um they've just uh shown or revealed their sort of like year two plans so the division if you don't know what that is it's a shared experience shooter Mm. along the lines of or very closely modeled on destiny Mm -hmm. um and so the sort of release formats for these games is meant to be big release and then sort of expansions with content. That's how they modeled their first year's release. Mm-hmm. So um, you had your base game, and they would bring content updates to it. Uh, and I believe there was an expectation that they would continue the, this release format this year. They're working on possibly the Division 2 later. Um, but they announced, uh, I don't know if it was today or 
a couple of days ago um, that the Division 2 will not have a season pass and there will be no paid content updates for it. There will be updates, but they have categorically said that there are no story missions. So okay. if you're a Division fa- uh, fan who wants to keep playing the Division, mm. what you're going to get this year is um, modifiers to existing content that will give you a, a different way to sort of play them. And they've done this on Destiny, so they have had strikes um, where they'll put in and say, you can only use this type of damage, or enemies are all of this sort of type, or they'll put in other things like you get medals for doing certain actions in the thing. Mm-hmm. So it gives you a different experience to play the same content. But whether or not that kind of thing can sustain an entire game for a year... I mean, the Destiny is struggling to keep people engaged. Yeah. And they have had, I wouldn't say significant content updates, but they've had fairly robust content updates that were uh, not free, but not huge style releases. So they had Rise of Iron, which had a whole new story campaign, a new raid, uh, endgame content, maps for PvP and stuff. And even that, that game is next to dead. Me and Chris have been trying to play that recently, and you can't find people to play it with. No way. The, the game is um, really in hibernation, I would hope, not flatlining. The Division's on PC as well, though, isn't it? The, the Division is on multiple platforms, and I'm not really sure how many people are playing it at the moment. I think there's a fair amount. It's always sort of had... It's never been the massive success. Uh-huh. Uh, neither has Destiny, really. That either Ubisoft or... Yeah. Bungie wanted either of those games to be, but they've both had solid fan bases mm. that I don't think that this kind of game can weather an entire year with no content. Sure. It's the kind of thing where you want to keep people invested in your, your game and your world and your ecosystem. And as, as soon as you come out of it, it's really hard to find the motivation to come back into it. Yeah. You see that with Warcraft or World of Warcraft. Yeah. Um, you s- it, was, it was similar with uh, Final Fantasy fourteen. Yeah. Me. Like, if, if you take a significant break, it's quite difficult to get back into. Exactly. And, like, and the reason I did take a break was because I was waiting for the, the expansion, like, new content, yeah. um, to do the main story quest. And just, it, when I did go back to it, it wasn't, I, I couldn't get my, myself into it in the same way. Yeah. It's kind of, I think it's it's usually that kind of stuff's geared for people that never left. Yeah. It's the same, I mean, coming, I'm coming back to Destiny now after a, a minor break, I'd say. Mm. About half a year, I haven't played it. Okay. Um, because... Year one is ending and there's stuff on the horizon. I spoke about it last week. Even with what Destiny has had, there has been a struggle. And people have been upset with certain things that the Division has had the exact same sort of teething problems that Destiny had in year one. Mm. Uh, but the thing is, at the end of year one for Destiny, they released what is possibly the biggest update. Like, uh, what this is what the Division should be doing now. Because mm. um, they released the Taken King, which uh, completely revamped their approach to missions and quests and storylines and just activities and the way that you can engage with them and keep doing things and how you get endgame equipment and stuff like that. Right. So they looked at their first year said, what's failing? What do people want? And they fixed it, and that carried them through year one. Year three, again, like I said, is, is kind of tailing off. But the approach that Ubisoft appear to be taking with the Division is they are not supporting it. So the Division 1 is basically over. Mm. And then there's no word on whether or not the Division 2 is coming out. So I think it looks like either they've moved everyone off of the project onto something else completely, mm. and they're going to let the Division wind down, or they're making the Division 2, but will people want to play it if yeah. they haven't been playing the first one? Or if or, it wasn't well supported. Yeah. It's not something you're going to want to buy into. Yeah. Um, it's just a weird... 
approach. I mean, I guess they, you kind of uh, have to hope that they're developing for their audience, and maybe they're yeah. looking at their their like analytics or something, and just being like, "Well, this doesn't it doesn't matter us to put more story missions in here because no one's playing them." Yeah. Or I mean, I'm not really too familiar with the game. Um, I think the one of the major complaints recently has been that there aren't enough story missions or things to do. I think the game is based around story missions, mm. so it's like in Destiny, you would do you run through con- like story content. Uh, and then there's PvP. Mm. Um, I'm not really sure what you'd do if there isn't any. Just you'd run old story missions over and over again to get loot and stuff. Right. So yeah, that's a bit. It becomes a bit tired. Boring, yeah. Yeah. It just feels like I don't know. I've never been a huge fan of the division, so sure. I'm not gonna uh, speculate on how it will do because I know I will be pessimistic and maybe gloat a bit. Mm. But it's just a curious thing to see a game that was meant to be so big fall flat a little bit yeah so we mentioned a little earlier as well about like sonic being delayed yeah for more polish there's a bit of a tenuous link but um we spoke quite a lot about mass effect last week we did and it kind of led on to discussions about our hopes for it and how you know other science fiction that we've enjoyed and yeah just kind of space ethics and other things along those lines but in the past week there's been a lot of reviews coming to light of the first kind of... Ten hours, I think, it is that they're letting people play. So, And then after that, there's a review embargo. So right. you, you are only allowed to talk about the first ten hours. But they're still allowed to play it. And... They, they're playing the full game, yeah. all reviewers, but they are not allowed to discuss... I think it may have been yesterday that it was lifted, or mon- this coming Monday that it will be lifted, that they can then talk about the full game. Mm. Um, which, uh, considering what you're, I assume, about to reveal to us, is a very strange move on the part of EA. Yeah, yeah EA and Bioware. Um, so, initial reviews have, rightly so, critiqued a lot of the animation. It's not fantastic. No, I mean, um, there's some of it which is downright baffling. Yeah. You, you look at it and you're wondering, first off, have they done anything? Is this actually an animation, or is it just the mouth is moving? Yeah, yeah. Because um, there's a particular character... I'm gonna, I don't know any of these characters' names. I know one of them's called Liam. Mm. Um, because... I'm How probably, did you remember that one? Yeah, I mean, it's just about that name. Um, but she, her mouth moves and her eyes blink, but there's no movement in her, like, her sort of brow or uh-huh. her cheeks. Yeah. And her eyes don't move about the place. Is this the one that said her face was tired? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, her face is tired, but it, it doesn't move at all. She just sort of flaps her mouth a bit. Yeah, she doesn't look tired so much as an animated corpse. I think it's the Botox. Space Botox is some serious shit. Like, um, they just pump you full of, like, I don't know, what is it? Space chemicals and... Higgs bosons. And yeah. Is, uh, is Botox, like, the name of an alien race? Maybe. It's <laughs> the... The Botox. It's, the, it's what the Reapers, it's what they're fighting now, is the new Reapers. It, it sucks all emotion out of people's faces, and yeah. it causes serious social disability because they can't see what people are feeling. Sure. No, it's just... Awesome. So, but, I mean, in fairness, neither of, us have, neither of us have played this. No. But from what we've seen from footage, I mean, there's, there's been other things as well. Like walk, walk cycles are kind of funky uh, um, in some places. Can we talk about the gun? Please do. So there's an, inst- uh, an instance in the game where somebody's talking to somebody else. Is it an Asari? Is that the alien? Mm-hmm. So there's an Asari woman... It's a PB. Yeah, talking to somebody else. And behind the other person, um, not the Asari, a- an alien comes up behind her shoulder or something. Yeah. So the Asari shoots over her shoulder and kills the thing. Mm. Uh, people have pointed out that the gun she is using is being held backwards. Yeah. So she's holding it with the gun pointing at herself. Yes. 
and the bullet comes out of the back of the gun. Yeah, there's a muzzle flare, like, towards the enemy, but the gun is back to front. It's... Um, which is... So they would have had to... How do you mess that up? It's just sloppy, isn't it? Yeah. That's, that's presumably, it's like one of the compositors. I mean, I've seen the model of the gun. So uh-huh. there are barrels on the gun. It's not like a really out there space gun. Yeah, yeah. It, it looks... It's not like a modeled after a specific gun, mm. but it looks like a gun... Just looking at it, you could get it the right way around. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's really similar to the weapons in Mass Effect 2. Yeah. Um, um, but then the writing is also a bit awkward at times. I feel like that's kind of harder to gauge mm. because people are showing specific clips of the game. Yeah. So what we're seeing is cherry-picked. Yes. Um, whether or not it's representative of the entire game mm. is n- obviously can't say for sure. Yeah, yeah. I think it's still early days. I mean, it's, it's one of these things you say it's cherry-picked. It's... A massive game. Yeah. And it, we spoke about the Final Fantasy dialogue being huge. This is going to blow that out of the water. Yeah. Exactly. In terms of how much speech and text there is in this game. Yeah. I so, mean, I don't, I don't know if it's unfair to draw comparisons though. In, in terms of the facial animations and mm. stuff, in a game where it's so, cause Mass Effect is very dialogue heavy. Yeah. Like there's action and RPG elements and stuff, but I think first and foremost, people play it for the story, right? Yes. Um, and, and it's very social. So there's things like romance and deception yeah. and trying to get to the bottom of character motivations and stuff. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of, uh, visual novel elements. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's maybe just one of these things as well. Like it's, it's possibly difficult to animate everything. Yeah. And to, um, to have like, uh, gestures. And- but then the comparisons I was, I was seeing, which maybe are a bit unfair because we're comparing I don't, I wouldn't call them a B team. I don't really know what, was it Bioware Montreal have done before, mm. um, to what I think is one of the best developers at the time, uh, at the moment. But people were comparing it to The Witcher 3, which is definitely an unfair comparison to make any game and compare it to what I think is one of the greatest games of the generation so far. But it's the same sort of emphasis on dialogue and story driven gaming, mm. um, and also character driven storytelling um if i if it's so character based then believing in these characters is one of the most important things of selling the game to people not in terms of money but like actually being people buying into the world yes. and believing and being immersed yeah uh, and when they're completely stone-faced you can't buy that character and even comparing it to older mass effect games um where the characters technically look less real because they have uh they don't have as uh higher resolution textures or as many polygons or whatever, you know, sure. um, they look more real because they move like a person than yeah. they do in this game. And in The Witcher, they've got thousands and thousands and thousands of lines of dialogue, yeah. um, fully voiced with full facial animations and stuff. And it seems like maybe have they just focused on the wrong part of the game? Have they mismanaged their time or whatever? It's just, I'd like to know more about what's gone into it. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm still, um, I still have some hopes for it. Like, yeah. I don't think that it's going to be a complete deal breaker. No, I think some people were saying, like, looking at older Mass Effect games, like Mass Effect 1, I think, where the start of the game is not the strong point. Mm. So you, you don't really get to the meat of the game uh, until a few hours in. Yeah, you really um, don't. So it, to sell the game based on reviews of the first 10 hours of the game, you're not putting your best foot forward. I'm a wee bit disappointed that the story isn't as interesting as I'd hoped Hmm. or the premise isn't as high concept. I think the premise is just that they're trying to find a planet to live on. Yeah. That's fine. It's probably a framework for other things. That'll be interesting, Hmm. but it's a bit, I think it's a bit tired. It sounds a bit Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. Um, 
but I mean that's that's fine. I suppose it depends like what happens. Yeah. Really. I mean it's it's it is a very typical science fiction story. Yeah. But um, I guess it's the content around that that and characters' reactions to it. Yeah. And, and like I've said, I think a couple of times, like the first ten hours will just be setting up what is going to happen. Yeah. So, um, one thing I would like to talk about. Yeah. Is the reactions online to this? Yeah. So there's been a lot of hate regarding the, the vitriol. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, internet hate machine, it's the kind of stuff you, you expect yeah. at this point. But people have actually started singling out who they were led to believe was the lead animator. And they were wrong, weren't they? Uh, or well, I believe that the, the... Bioware came out and said that they weren't the lead animator. Yeah, so... Um, the people who singled out this person, um, they it was basically uh, an internet lynch mob yeah, who, yeah. who thought that they could... Uh, suss out who it was but they were yeah. so far off the mark and not only that it feels like it was maybe an easy target yeah. like let's just pick on the girl or I mean even if it was a guy it, yeah. let's pick on this one person uh, when really it's it's something that an entire team were putting together yeah. but mm-hmm. um, Aaron Flynn came out and said uh, uh, respect the opinions of our players and community and welcome feedback on our games but attacking individuals regardless of their involvement in the project is never acceptable yeah which i think is a fair response like you said it's um every game is a collaborative effort yeah even games where um you know hideo kojima's working on it and he has a a tendency to say this is a hideo kojima game Mm. and obviously he has a massive input into how those games turn out but at the end of the day the full product is uh the the work of many individuals yeah um, and who's to say, like, even if she was the, the, the head animator, the, the talent she's working with would be playing a massive part into how the final product yeah. comes out. The budget would play a massive part into how the final product, product turns out. Yeah. Um, I mean, not only that, somebody's played this, like yeah. a producer or something said, yeah, this is fine. Yeah. So it's, it's been passed. Like, it's, it's not like this person has published it or yeah. released it. It's like, this is now out in the wild and it's representative of, Everyone that worked on it. Yeah. Um, and it definitely seems like things like the gun yeah. animation. That is um, maybe a, a systematic failure of the company hmm. because there should be checks and balances, you know, somebody going, that's that gun is not the correct way around. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's just, you get consistency errors in films and television yeah. a lot as well. It's like, hang on, the glass was on the other side or hang on, when she came into the room, she was wearing a different jumper or... Yeah. Uh, or even like fundamentally and like the, the script is wrong or, you know, mm. um, and also who's to say that that animator it is a sci-fi world. Mm. Who's to say that that animator didn't look at the gun and think, oh, that's a really weird sci-fi gun. Mm. You know, somebody on the, the, there's obviously not been the designer of that gun looking over his shoulder going, here's the front of the gun. Yeah. So they've probably had so much to look at and so many assets to sort through. Yeah. And who knows what kind of work environment they're in. Like, what are the pressures of that specific... specific That gun could have been made under... You know, because everyone knows that games go into crunch time. Yeah. Stressful, uh, heavy workload type environment. So maybe they had like five minutes to do this thing with the gun. And then they had... Because they were like, I've got so much other stuff to do. Yeah. That is so important to the game that I can't spend any time on shooting this gun. And they've just overlooked it. From a technical standpoint... It's very easy to to flip an object yeah. in in like 3D applications. So it might be that something's happened before it's gone to render or before it's been pushed yeah. through the the pipeline and just it's not been picked up by by someone. Um, but I do think it. I'm very down the middle on this because mm. on the one hand it looks shoddy, yeah, and it doesn't look like a game I would want to 
it would put me off buying the game. It might not entirely. Um, but it's the kind of thing where I'm like, well, if I'm paying for a game, I want to know I'm getting a quality product. Hmm. Um, and then on the other hand, I'm like, it's, the game as a whole is probably not going to suffer very much for it. No. Um, and then the, the reaction to it, although I think, um, is not entirely related to the game itself. I think this is just another case of, I don't want to use like the term, but I will. It's like gamer gating sort of like, we're doing this because we care about the quality of the game, but mm-hmm. actually they're, they're just looking for somebody to, to call out and, to target, yeah. yeah, and harass. Yeah. Um, so it's not it's, cool. It's, it's, the bottom line is it's a disappointing reaction. Like, yeah. You don't want to think that the gaming community is like that, but yeah, yeah. there obviously is an undercurrent of people who are like that. Yeah, just people who can't measure their response. Yeah. Ah, well. But uh, still, I think it's a small bump in what will be, you know, it's a very popular series by a very popular developer. Yeah. And they're not going to, they're not going to fuck it up too much. If if they were to fuck it up, you know, yeah. it's not going to be now and it's yeah. not going to be... I mean, I think like in 10 hours, like we've seen a few things that are not fantastic but I mean there's, there's the potential to patch those and clean them up at a later date which is again it's not really excusable to I don't know to release that kind of stuff yeah. and be like oh this is this is finished and wait for a reaction but yeah I mean it's it's been brought to our attention yeah would it have been as jarring if we were playing yeah um, so I think um, I saw somebody say rightfully so that the games like Battlefield have come out and had mechanically broken games mm-hmm. games that you can't you know Things that will happen that you can't continue playing because this thing has broken. Whereas in this, it's more sort of, that looks a bit weird, but you're still playing the game. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. It's not out yet. And, no. and full of, like, more in-depth reviews will come out later. Yes. And at that point, I think it'd be fair to make a decision on buying it. Right now, I think it's just people looking for a scrap online. Hmm. So I guess that's as good as any time to take a wee break. Yeah, let's take a break. Hey, welcome back. Hello. Thanks for rejoining us after our short break. Yeah. Probably shorter for you than it is for us, as an aside. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's talk about some of the things we've been up to this week. Hey. hey. Um, you finally got your, your copy of Nier. Yeah, no thanks to the Royal Mail. It did arrive. Unfortunately, as predicted, I haven't had a lot of time to play it this week, hmm. which is one of the reasons why I was quite upset about it not arriving yeah. last Friday when it was supposed to. But from what I have played so far, it's pretty good. It it didn't disappoint. I mean, in terms of the actual gameplay, yeah, it's not too different from the demo. No, I upped the difficulty rating. Um, well, I say I upped it. I'm playing on normal. Yeah, and I think the difficulty was uh, set easy, or at least I'm I'm, I'm feeling that it's a slightly more difficult, or there's there's more yeah. elements to dodge, like more bullets in the the first level that I played through first yeah. area. I don't know how um, the demo handled restarting so if you die in the demo did it kick you to the start of the demo i'm not sure i, or, I don't think any of us died when we played through right okay because in the in the first section of near for quite a while if you die you just start again right yeah i don't know if you died at all yet no okay well uh, I, actually i tell you i have i have yeah so that was something i died a couple of times yeah and i found that frustrating but not in a way that was bad frustrating in the same way that Dark Souls is frustrating yeah not that I'm comparing this game to Dark Souls um, because it's not no um, but the feeling you get yeah. is similar yeah it's, it's funny because I don't know how far you've gotten through it and it's kind of hard to I'm at the first open area 
Okay. The first section is very... It showcases a lot of a certain type of gameplay. Yeah. And then from that point on, it doesn't really revisit them. Yeah. Which is weird. I, the, the pacing completely changes. It does, yeah. And that was that's what I guess I found a little bit odd. Um, we're intentionally trying to be a little vague with this because yeah. uh, Liam mentioned, and, and he's quite right um, during the break there, that it's difficult to talk about this game without spoiling major parts of the story. Yeah. So, uh, And even... it's. it's or even major parts of like gameplay mechanics or things that happen. Yeah. Where the novelty is the surprise of how it does it. Yeah. Uh, Yoko Taro, the director, is known for putting... For, it's almost his games are a hodgepodge of different mechanics and influences and homages to different games. Yes. Because I think in Nier there's an infamous text segment. Right. And people didn't like it. Okay. Because they were like, that's boring. But there's this strange... Is this, is this in the same way that um, like fans reacted poorly to all the videos in Metal Gear 4? Maybe. What, what did they say about Metal Gear 4? Uh, loads of people compared it to being like video heavy and more of a, a film than a, a, oh. a game. So is it similar like were they comparing this to being like too wordy? And Possibly. I think the thing is, he's very... Um, he puts a lot of strange things in this game. Mm-hmm. And without talking about my my major experiences with Neuro Automata at the moment, so I don't really want to talk about any specific instances of it. So it's really hard to capture mm-hmm. to say exactly what I mean by it. If we take the first section of the game, for instance, you're switching between uh, a sort of shoot 'em up, side scrolling, Gradius type affair to a sort of top down bullet hell type affair. Uh, then you've got a sort of side scrolling beat 'em up thing. Uh, and then you have a, uh, you also go to like full 3D arena boss battles all in the space of 20 minutes. Mm. And then later on, there's a, a specific bit where, uh, you can, you, you play these little mini games to do hacking because they're all robots. Yeah. So there's hacking and it takes you into this top down, um, 2D almost mini game. Mm hmm. And that is sort of like Asteroids or something. Okay. Um, so he takes all of these different game mechanics and game styles and he just throws them in. So like with Nier, with the text-based, it was like almost a text adventure segment just in the middle of the game. And it was apparently quite long right. and people didn't like it because text adventures are boring. Which they're not. You just need to play Planetfall or Zork or Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Um or uh, the House Abandoned, yeah. which is a really nice modern one. It's quite short as well. But to modern games, particularly juxtaposed in the middle of a modern game, it, it would maybe seem a bit boring if you had to play it for. I guess, yeah. I mean, um, it, it's it all comes down to the pacing and like how yeah. it's how it's presented. I guess yeah. it's almost like Frog Fractions in the way oh. he does it. Have you played that? I, I have, yeah. I, I only recently discovered Frog Fractions, but I, yeah. I, um, there's a brilliant documentary on YouTube by a channel called Noclip, and. Um, it's just, it's fantastic. Like, I really love the guy's approach to game development in general. It's so playful. Yeah. So Frog Fractions could basically be a Yoko Taro game. That's kind of what he does in this game a lot. Yeah. Which is why it's fun to play for it without knowing what's going to come next. Cool. Um, that in itself isn't a spoiler because you're about half an hour away from being well aware that this is what the game is like. Mm. Um, but even then it never stops sort of like surprising you. Um, even I'm, I'm about 30 hours into it at the moment. 
And I'm still just like, I don't know what's going to happen next. One of the things I think you mentioned last week that I really appreciate about it is yeah. the, the way that the settings menu is integrated with your OS. Yes. So whenever you're changing settings, it's like you're actually adjusting your character's uh, operating system. Yeah. Um, because they're an Android. And I thought that was a really clever uh, way to use it, like yeah. to, to use the UI. My favorite one of them uh, that I noticed is if you take out, cause you can, you can take out, um, things like the HUD and damage values mm. and put in things like character speed up and stuff. But you want you have a limited amount of space to do it. But I noticed you can take out the OS mm. and it says, if you take this out, you will die. So you could actually, I haven't done it, but, mm. um, this, that's the kind of, uh, thing I've, I've recently been brave enough to take out damage values. I decided that you do the damage that you do. Yeah. It doesn't really make a difference. If you can see the health bars, you kind of know what amount of damage you're doing. Yeah. So the damage values are literally just, you know, like in World of Warcraft where they pop up. Yeah. So you did this much damage. I took that out and I took out another one. There's one where you can take out like context sensitive HUD. So the minimap will close if you, if you don't need it, but you can have it so that it's just up all the time mm. to sort of maybe put my processing power into something else like character speed or damage. So, so you're about... I'm really early into the game. Yeah. I mean, I've only played it for about an hour or something. Yeah. Because um, that's the, that, all the time that I could squeeze in. I have... Yeah, I've been playing other other games as well, but we yeah. can come on to that a bit later. I know I know which game. <laughs> yeah, other games. Game. Yeah. <laughs> Singular. Last week, I think I wasn't entirely sure what my verdict on the game was or how I felt about it. Mm. Uh, I think it's amazing. Cool. Right now, 30 hours in, I'm like, ah, oh, yeah. Right. Um, some of it, like you were saying, the controls are a wee bit weird. Um, yeah, it, it feels like, so I guess a lot of games that I've been playing recently, the uh, the triggers are your attack buttons. Yeah. So going back to using, and this is how all games used to be, it's like using the actual buttons for your attacks. Yeah. It's just, it's a bit of a jump. But yeah. you, I think you mentioned you changed a few of the button configs around. Yeah, so you've got, um, it's, a, it's almost a hack and slash game, but you've also got uh, a little robot. You're a robot. Mm-hmm. Well, you're not, you're an android. Um, yeah. And then you have a robot that follows you around. Mm-hmm. And there he's called Pod. And you can equip him with different weapons. Mm. He's got two weapons. Uh, he's got his sort of like Gatling machine gun, uh, which you can... F- no ammo, so you just fire it as much as you want. Mm. And then he can also do a secondary attack or a secondary ability, uh, which you can swap out in the same way that you can swap out your programming. Um, and mine's at the moment is the standard. It's just a laser. But the thing is, so the original config is you've got your camera on one joystick and your movement on the other joystick. Yeah. That's standard. You can switch between equipment using the D-pad um, and uh, between pods using the D-pad because you can pick up multiple pods. You can switch between equipment mm. and you can use items using the D-pad. Mm. Then the other face buttons, so triangle, square, circle, and X, are things like jump. And, a, and your melee attack. And then you've got your bumper buttons. So L1, L2, R1, R2. Mm. Uh, R1 is fire. Yes. Uh, L1 is your special attack from your, your pod. Uh, and then R2 is dodge. And then L2 is lock on. Mm. Um, but the thing I found is, so you're, you're basically controlling two things at once. You're basically, you're controlling your melee attack, which is your android character. Yeah. And then you're controlling your firing mode, which is your pod. Um, and you're kind of expected to do both at the same time. Um, which sort of is a bit weird to get used to because you're controlling two items at once. It's not 
two out there because they both focus on the same sort of enemies. Hmm. But the thing I found was you dodge far more than you fire your secondary weapon because there's a cooldown on your secondary weapon. Mm-hmm. And dodging is a massive part of not taking damage yeah. and moving about the battlefield. So you're kind of trying to hold the c- controller comfortably while using so many different buttons, the, j- the dual sticks, the face buttons and the bumpers. Yeah. Um, that I actually found I was cramping up a wee bit or, or not being able to dodge as fast as I wanted. Right. So I just switched the, the laser button, the secondary attack button, with the dodge button, which improved it quite a bit because then you're only focusing on the top two buttons. Mm. You don't have to be using your laser button as much. You can just jump down from the, the fire and you just stop firing for a second, which you need to do anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it is, it's something that takes, uh, it took me a few hours to get used to, um, which is a very minor criticism of the game because once you're in... Once you're in the, the the mode for playing, once you, you click with it, it, it plays really well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think the fact that it, it allows uh, custom uh, key mapping, yeah. um, button mapping, is to its benefit. Yeah, I yeah. think they possibly just knew that the controls were going to be weird. Yeah. And that they were like, well, we'll let people find out what works sure. for them. Um, but all, a lot of it is so based in the flavor of the game, like mm. the OS stuff and all that. Yeah, um, it's a game that I think needs to be experienced, which is a bit of a cop-out, but it's also a really hard game because there's no common point of reference. You can't go and talk about another game and say, this game is like this. Yes. So, I mean, there are, there's certain elements of the game that are, you can talk about that are from other games, but... Yeah, I mean, if you're familiar with, like, uh, Bayonetta or Devil May Cry, it's very yeah. similar in terms um, of, like, the, the action gameplay yeah. side of it. But, yeah, amazing game. So I'll come back to what I was saying about the quote from yeah. Yokotaro. I'm going to paraphrase it um, because it's quite verbose. You, you were saying he's quite an esoteric person. He does. Yeah. He, he walks around with a, a mask on all the time. Oh, uh, Emil. He's a character from the first year who shows up in this game right. again as a, a small cameo. Uh, um, he's, he's just kind of a weirdo. Um, he was asked, has your view on game development matured over the years as you've gotten older? And uh, he essentially responds with, uh, when I was young, I had one wish from the bottom of my, of my heart. Uh, I wish all the useless and controlling elders of the gaming industry would die so I can create games that I like. Uh, now that I've fulfilled my dream uh, to create a game that I like, there's not much left for me to do. However, because I don't have much else to do now, I'm clinging on to my job as a game director. In a way, I'm just living out, uh, living out of habit. And now I've become one of the troublesome elders that I hated when I was young. Uh, like a demon king in an RPG, I feel like I'm clinging on to my castle of authority all alone and waiting for a new hero to come slay me. It's amazing. It's like, yeah, I've done my game. Like, I'm ready to die. <laughs> the um, one of the things he said as well about the specifically about this game, some people had asked if certain elements of Near that people didn't like would be omitted from this game. Uh, and this is a paraphrase as well because I'm not sure exactly what the quote was, but he said that. No, I've, I, I know that people didn't like them, so I've put them in this game out of spite. And it's just, something I was saying to Dave a couple of nights ago is this game, it's developed by Platinum, but it's also a Square Enix game. Mm. And this does not feel like the kind of game you'd expect to come out of Square Enix. Uh, they do some amazing games, but they like to play it safe. Yeah, so in, in terms of the actual content and the, yeah. the story. Um, it, cause it, it's a game that I can see a lot of people not getting yeah and being like i don't this is weird i don't like it well, it's got a pretty heavy backstory as well it does it does a good job of just not tying itself down to it yeah uh, so you can just play this and just take it for what the story is yeah um 
more sort of that, that's more just the the backstory kind of just establishes the world yeah um but it's not necessary to this story yeah um it's more sort of the it comes down to mechanics a lot with this game mm. um it's not designed like he's saying there where he wants to make the game that he likes yeah but it's not designed with sort of traditional or um things that are regarded as good design decisions sure um so you might think it would be bad to just change the mechanics in the middle of a fight and go you're doing this now mm. it works in near but i can see people who are wanting something a bit more they they might find that off-putting yeah it's kind of like if you're watching a sam raimi film sam raimi makes films that are a bit weird yes you either get them or you don't like them mm. um so uh or things like um david lynch where he makes a thing where it's, it's, this is weird. You either like it or you don't. Like Twin Peaks mm. is full of... People love Twin Peaks. Yeah. But I think equally there are people who just don't get Twin Peaks because it's... Really subversive. Yeah. It's it's, it's quirky. And it, there's like awkward, jilted dialogue, which is crafted to be that way. Yeah. Whereas somebody would go, why this writing is so weird and obtuse. Yeah. Can't you write it a bit more naturally if you were making like a, a TV show and some producer was like, I don't get this. Make it more accessible or, for a wider audience. Yeah. Type thing. Um, so I see his game design in that sort of way. Sure. So I think that's something that is at the moment is getting praise. Mm. So obviously people like it, but I think there was, it was in danger of putting people off. Okay. And I couldn't see that coming from Square Enix mm. because they like to play it safe. Yeah. Not in a bad way. That's just the their niche. Mm. It's like, these are the games that we make. We're not, you know, into doing things that are too out there. Yeah. Like, people thought that Bravely Default was out there for Square. Sure. Uh, and that is very much a traditional RPG. So I mean, I suppose they're working with a lot of uh, different developers now. Yeah. Um, I mean, having bought Crystal Dynamics, yeah. uh, and they were responsible for publishing Tomb Raider, and I think, did they do I Am Setsuna as well? Uh, they did, yeah. That's, yeah. Um, I, I suppose that's maybe closer to the traditional yeah. RPG. But... Well, I think uh, in, in the same, that I Am Setsuna was announced at the same time as Nier. It was the same E3. And I think that they were talking about doing more sort of indie not indie stuff but yeah. stuff that's a bit more um stuff that you wouldn't see being made yeah um so there is obviously somebody at square who's putting these things and saying we're doing this and we're going to do this um it's good yeah uh, i mean an- another thing i'll say about um near is the developer blog's really cool yeah if you're you're into seeing how the game got made or like some production screenshots there's yeah. there's a lot of uh concept stuff on there as well and i'm hoping um in in keeping with my obsession of collecting art books that it'll get a, a published art book at some point as well because the 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 art direction in in your automata is gorgeous yeah it's just really incredible i mean the, um, the character design really just touches the surface yeah but i mean the uh there's from the concept art on the the developer blog as well they've put so much uh thought and detail behind uh the the robots that you're fighting yeah and um the, the elements of the world so um speaking of design Mm. And uh, attention to design. Yeah. And attention to robots. No, sorry, androids. Uh-huh. Specific parts of androids. We spoke last week a wee bit about her bum. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I posed that maybe it, it was, I, I don't know, I was trying to find a reason for her bum being so prominent. 
and maybe thinking that we're a bit deeper to it. There's not really. Mm. Uh, Dave found a quote from Yoko Taro, who is a very quotable person, apparently. Yeah. Um, about specifically, he didn't set out to make her bum sexy. Mm. Uh, initially. Okay. And then at some point, the discussion with the designers came to talking about her bum. And they were like, do you want us to do it this way? He was like, no, make this the most perfect bum. I want this bum to be really sexy. If it isn't, you're fired. (laughs) So he basically said, this bum has to be a perfect bum. Uh, purely just because he wanted a sexy bum. Yeah. So all of that sort of like, I was like, oh, well, there's some sort of weird, not, not weird. There's some sort of hint at like talking about like sexuality and, yeah, and yeah. gender and all of that. And, and it's kind of subverting some of it. It doesn't. It's just a, a sexy bum. Fair enough. Um, but at least he was, uh, you know, he's not trying to, there's some, some developers will be like, well, she's wearing no clothes because she gets her powers from the sun. Yeah. Uh, and if you don't know who that is, then where, where you been? <laughs> um, which is, it's like, just come out and say you wanted her in a bikini. Mm. Like, cause that is, you have just come out and say you wanted her in a bikini because you have set that up, you know, specifically, you know, it's not that she has to have her powers come from the sun mm. or that she can't wear clothes and get her powers from the sun. You've said she's in a bikini. Here is why. Yeah. You justified it so that you can have her in a bikini. Yeah. Whereas he's just said, I want to see her bum. <laughs> you can, you know, it, you can say like, that's not great, but at least he's open about it and yeah. not trying to, um, hide the fact that he's a complete bum pervert yeah. <laughs> or something. Yeah. It just sort of adds to that whole Yoko Taro thing. He's a strange guy. He is a strange guy. Um, he's, he's a very clever guy, though. It's, yeah. He's he's made a fantastic game. It is. It's great. Bums and all. It's just a good game. <laughs> I uh, speaking of bums though. I so I don't think it's that achievable to look at it with the camera. It's the camera movement in the game is very interesting. Yeah. But you kind of think that you would have full uh, control, but it, when you you use the camera to go behind or underneath the character, it frames them in such a way that they are. Mm, they are like kind of cut off largely yeah. from the frame and it, it it focuses on the background. Yeah. Is that fair to say? Uh, without revealing too much about the story mm. and without revealing too much about my own actions in game. <laughs> Actually, this is not possible. There's an achievement for looking at her bum 10 times. Yes. And the, the, achievement, not, oh, sorry. the achievement is, uh, I can't remember what it's called, but the, the description of the achievement is find to be secret 10 times. But she like pushes the camera away if you try and look at her bum. Right. She like gets annoyed and like, covers herself and like pushes it away I know, is the achievement not called uh he did it yeah or something it's like um or yeah i think it's something that, that accuses the the player, the player of being a pervert yeah um I, I i heard this before i got the achievement so somebody told me and then i went and looked at her bum 10 times right not that i hadn't looked at her bum previously and noticed but i hadn't looked at it to that extent i do know that later on in the game you were in a position to see her bum much better okay so look forward to that. If you are thinking of putting the game down, keep playing. I mean, I have to say it's not uh, it's not one of my reasons for, for playing, for playing the, game. the game. But no, it's... you can pretty much do anything in the game as well, and you get to see your bum. Like I said, you can ride a moose. Yeah, you see yeah. your bum. Um, the game is so much better than looking at bums. Like, um, it's just a bit funny. Fuck. <laughs> Somebody whose uh, bum you can't see in a game. Well, I mean, someone who doesn't get his bum out in game is Link. Oh. Uh, I've been playing. You sound so disappointed. Oh no! <laughs> oh. Um, um, yeah, I've been playing a lot of Zelda. Yeah, uh, Breath of the Wild. It's so good. 
It's just so good. I mean, I spent most of yesterday morning just wandering around the the plains trying to get to one place. Is it called Hyrule? Yeah. Is it Hyrule? I think it's Hyrule. Each I think okay. each uh, area has its own kind of it, name, I'm, though. Um, right. So it's, it's not just like Hyrule, Zora Domain, Mount Death, and it, it kind of like splits it into like field names and uh, location names. So like West something plains or whatever. Yeah. So yeah, I spent a lot of time. I'm looking for the. I've gotten to it now. I was looking for the Zora domain, right? And it's it's kind of closed off to an extent, or I maybe approached it wrong. Yeah. But in doing so, I I spent like three hours just doing other things. Yeah, just wandering around the map, doing like little quests and fighting giant monsters and making money so I could buy clothes. Yeah. It's a it's such a good game. I cannot get over it. To um. To Nier's uh, detriment, because I haven't... You haven't picked it up. Yeah, You've just I've, been playing Zelda. But to be fair, you were playing Zelda before you played Nier. Yes. Um, and I don't know how much you'd like to... I certainly don't like to play games concurrently. Uh, yeah, I'm not too bad with it. I'm okay with that, I think. Yeah. Um, but it's, it sets a bad precedent, because if I'm still playing Zelda now, and then I'm getting uh, Mass Effect and The Ringed City yeah. in the next couple of weeks, and then Persona 5 after that, yeah. I need to really... If you get like five hours in, in, in near before that happens, yeah. I think you won't want to put down near. Oh, right, okay. So I think you, you should be fine. Cool. You'll, you'll, you'll get Mass Effect and you'll be like, I'll play that after this. Yeah, maybe. yeah. Um, but. It's one of these things as well, like you kind of, you, to an extent you want to complete a game so that it's not spoiled for you. Yeah. Cause it's, it's very easy to read stuff online that's like, oh, I haven't gotten there yet or I haven't done that. Yeah. And obviously we take, we take every, every care not to divulge too much about a game. Yeah, because we don't know if our audience is playing it or if they're going to play it, or if they are playing it. Like, yeah, yeah. If, if they're playing alongside us, we don't want to like spoil it for them. Yeah, certainly. That's that's my reason for wanting to to get through this stuff so so quickly. I've been very lucky in that I have had ne- no spoilers for Breath of the Wild. Right. All I know is what I saw when you were playing it. Yeah. And some screenshots that Kat has sent me. Yeah. Which they all it's exciting. Well, you were uh, you were talking about riding a moose in your automata. Yeah. I was riding a deer. Yesterday. Oh, what? Yeah. In, yeah. in Breath of the Wild? Yeah. Uh-huh. I caught a... Well, I didn't catch it. I, like, snuck up on one. Yeah. And I, I was riding it around the, the plains. It's really cool. You can yeah. do that. I mean, like, um, there's there's horses, obviously. Yeah. Um, but I've seen screenshots of people riding bears. Uh, I've seen someone riding a bear on fire, <laughs> which is pretty cool. How do you feel about the item durability? So I've heard people right. liking the fact that it's in there. This is a big discussion at the moment, is whether or not item durability, which is quite popular in certain games, is actually a good feature, mm. or if it's something that is just diverting the player's attention. It's not particularly fun to manage. Mm. And the criticism I heard of Zelda isn't so much that it's in it, is the frequency at which it happens in the earlier stages of the game. Right. So do you feel... um that, I mean, how do you feel about the item durability? Um, I don't mind it at all, to be honest. No. Uh, I think it has a benefit of uh, forcing you to rotate weapons. Yeah. So, say you have a, a really great axe. Yeah. There would be no real reason for you to use anything else. Yeah, because you just have that and carry it through the rest of the game for you. Yeah. And I think also, if um, if items were infrequently, or weapons were infrequently available, yeah. you would never use your good ones. Yeah. Whereas I don't think that's really the case. Like, there, there are some points where, like, you're more likely to get um, a certain type of weapon, depending on yeah. who you're fighting. But I haven't felt, oh, I really need to keep this for a boss. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm just playing, like, kind of devil may care and, like... Oh, you'll oh, have something later on that yeah. will be just as good or... or yeah. yeah. I think I think it's quite good to uh, 
to force you to use what you've got yeah um and to, to use it well so it might be a case of uh you are if you're in a thunderstorm you can't use metal weapons because you'll act as a rod and it'll hit you and it'll wipe you out okay but you can use wooden weapons yeah so there's always a there's maybe an argument for keeping a mixture of weapons on you as well yeah but at the same time you know things things are going to break and you're just going to either uh find find something new or uh replace it yeah um there is uh a point later in the game where you do get some unique weapons um and, I, I and those break so- they they have a durability, right? But they can be repaired. Okay. Um, so like this, it's the kind of weapons you would expect. Yeah. Sort of like I won't no go too much into it. Um, but yeah, there's there's certainly there's there's a nice mix, I think. Yeah. Between. Are there weapons that can break that are finite? Um. So is there a certain like is there a certain sort of middle ground between the the father that I saw you picking up like sticks and mm. um, skeleton? weapons and stuff yeah and skeleton the, the unique weapons is there a sort of middle ground where you might find fire axes but you only find them in certain chests obviously i've never played the game so i don't know quite possibly yeah, yeah. i mean um so this there's a type of weapon called uh, like guardian weapons yeah and it's the ones that look like something out of tron yeah uh big axes that are neon and covered but in runes. They, do they drop from enemies or do they come from chests so from what i've seen so far yeah i've only come across them after defeating uh guardians right uh, in in temples and stuff, but I'm not sure how many guardians guardians there are, there are and if maybe those are finite, or yeah. maybe there's there's some place you can, you know, uh, find a stockpile of them, or you know, maybe some of the guardians respawn. Yeah. Um. Although that's, I guess that's from the ones that I've seen so far, they've been in in shrines. So, so once it's not you cleared likely, it, it's kind of yeah. Okay. It's it's interesting because it's something that hasn't really been in Zelda before. No. Um. I think it was quite a bold move to put it in yeah. but I can appreciate why they did it yeah. otherwise it, it turned into one of those games like where you could just stockpile loads of things yeah. whereas this, this gives you finite inventory space for weapons yeah. and by uh, just having them break now and then it, it allows you to rotate, rotate and, and pick up other things out. it's funny because it's not really a survival game I mean it isn't 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 uh, the, I mean, the focus of the game isn't survival it's adventuring yeah I mean your, your character is not going to die if they don't eat yeah your character will die if you put them in a frozen environment with the wrong type of clothes on. Yeah. But you you can do things like you can use uh, ingredients and things that you find to, to cook at campfires and then take it gives you like uh, better provisions. So yeah. items that will cure more than just a couple of uh, bars of, of health and give you additional effects like the ability to sneak more effectively or... Uh, climb faster. I think I saw that we, you found mushrooms, didn't you? Mm. That increased your movement speed. Yeah. Yeah. Speed yeah. mushrooms. <laughs> yeah. There's maybe a, a bit of a, a drug reference there. There's, <laughs> there's all sorts of mushrooms. I mean, you get mushrooms that increase your speed and yeah. let you sneak and all the rest of it. But it's it's quite cool. I mean, there's an element of chance for that as well. Because, like, obviously the, the cooking system in Final Fantasy 15 is huge. Yeah. But you know what you're going to get and you know your ingredients list. Like, yeah. Whereas this, I think, like, sometimes you hear people talking about recipes. Right. But quite a lot of the time you can just say, right, this shit's edible, throw it in a bowl. And then just eat it. And then it'll make something nice. So. Oh. It's kind of cool. It's cool. It's very cool. And uh, I, I just, more than anything, I like that I can play the game compl- without any objective. Yeah. And just do what I want and, and enjoy it. It's, there's always something to be discovered yeah. uh, on the horizon. It's um, definitely after Nier, I think I would like to play it. There's a few games. I really want to replay Police Knots. Mm. 
Um, too many games. Mm. I keep saying this. Um, Definitely. I mean, especially if you're going through a backlog as well. Yeah. It's I still just... haven't touched The Last Guardian at all. Oh. I have it in its shrink wrap from December. In fairness, I technically I didn't complete it. I just watched Ashley do it. Yeah. So I haven't played it either. I've, I've picked up like a few bits um, that I wanted to, to try out. But... Yeah. I, I don't even know how it plays. Oh. I haven't touched it at all. Yeah. It's... Um, and it's on there. It's on my shelf. And I'm like, I'm going to play it. Eventually, once I've played all these other games, <laughs> it's, it's very pretty. But I mean, it's, it's I think it's the kind of game you can come back to. Like yeah. I, I can still play Shadow of the Colossus and really enjoy it. Yeah. So I mean, you're going to be able to pick this up at some point, and, and it's not like I'm going to sell it. I never sell a game. I have a rule when it comes to games. I don't trade in games, and I very, very rarely sell them, if ever. Mm. And this comes from when I was a kid. Well, I learned as a kid trading because as a kid you got a finite amount of games a year, usually for your birthday or Christmas. Yeah. Maybe one or two games. Um, and most of what I played as a kid was demo discs because you got that from the PlayStation magazine cheap mm. and you could try out loads of different games. I'm yeah. sure a lot of people I know have the same experience where if you had a game, you were stuck with that game. Uh, for better or for worse, if it was a shit game and you picked a bad game, that's it. Now as an adult, I buy games... At the drop of a hat, I'm terrible for it. I yeah. buy everything. We we've picked up between us at least yeah. every major release this year. Yeah, and there's not enough time no to to play everything. Um, but the thing is, uh, so I collect games, mm. and, um, and the reason why I don't ever trade in games or sell games is because as a kid I would trade in games to get other games. It was right. the only way if I really wanted a new game that I could get a game because. I, I got pocket money, but it was a small amount of money for sweets or yeah. going into town and getting the bus about or whatever. Um, not enough to buy a game, obviously, very often. Unless I saved up, which I did occasionally for specific games. Um, and I would go into... Um, there's a local store here, um, which I won't name. Um, but I would go in and I'd trade maybe three games and get one game. Mm. So if you think about it, you're you're ending up with less and less um, and so you'd be like, well, I used, if I hadn't traded in those games and just waited, I would have so many games, but now I've only got a couple of games. Mm. And so after a while, I was just like, well, now I can buy games more often. I'm just never going to trade them in. Mm. And I never really decided to start collecting games. It just happened that because I didn't trade in games or sell them, I ended up with lots of games and now I collect them. I'm an avid collector of games. Um, I think I've, I can't even, I don't know how many games I've got. Last count it was about seven hundred. It was maybe a year ago. Um, not including, I went to Japan and bought, I think, about fifty games in Japanese that I can't play because I can't read Japanese. Were you hit by customs on the way back? No, uh, I put them in a suitcase and hid them. And uh, there was customs wasn't open. It really is in Edinburgh. Yeah, yeah. I, I was just like, because I'd never travelled internationally before. I mean, yeah. I had not, like, but not like proper internationally. I'd gone to France and Ireland, sure, in the EU, and you don't even have to go through customs, I don't think, if you're in traveling within the EU, or you maybe do. I was unsure about the rules. I was like, I know I've been outside of the EU. Do uh, I need to say to somebody, I've got shit, can I bring it in? And we just walked through. Cause I think if they if they ask, yeah, uh, or if you're searched, you're, I think you're only allowed an allowance of £300 oh, there was, yeah. of, of electronic equipment. Okay, so I brought back £300 worth of video games. Okay. <laughs> or whatever the limit is. Um, yeah. For, for anyone who may be listening for um, Her Majesty's Customs. Yeah. So I, I never traded in games. From about 2005, I was like a teenager, when I first realized 
um, that I was, it was, you're losing money for yeah. every trade-in. Say you buy a game for £50. You buy another game for £50. Mm-hmm. And you want a third game for £50. Yeah. So you trade in the two games, you get a third of the value or something. Yeah. It's a total false economy. Yeah. I mean, but, I still own... When you're a kid, that's the only thing you can do. Yeah. To get, to get new games. Like, and, unless, like, your, your parents just give you things at the drop of a hat. Yeah. Which wasn't the case for me either no. growing up. It was a case of you work for it or you... Yeah. And I don't even think my parents like me trading in games because they knew that, it, that I was getting a limited return on yeah. on what they had bought. I think my parents said it was told me it was a bad idea, but they weren't going to stop me. Sure. Um, but you learned. Yeah. And I wouldn't expect any more from my parents. You know, I'm not being like, oh, my parents wouldn't buy me games. Yeah, of uh, course. But that's just the, you know... Um, so that is, I think that's maybe why I collect games now. But I think there's also something extra when you're a collector. There's a, a certain compulsion to collect things. It's not even really about the games. I'd probably be collecting something else mm. if I wasn't collecting games. Um, Stamps. Yeah. My my new thing is videotapes. Um, specifically promotional videotapes for video games. Uh, which is a weird thing that I've only just found out is a thing. Mm. Um, and I got really into looking up these things. So how I came to find it was uh, I collect Final Fantasy things. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of Final Fantasy VII. And I found that there was a... Uh, Dave told me that there was a Square Enix... No, sorry. At the time, Square Soft mm-hmm. promotional videotape promoting their Switch to PlayStation specifically. Not a specific game, but it was framed around a discussion of Final Fantasy VII. Mm-hmm. Because there was a big um, hoo-ha... Was a, a thing that happened was Square realized they couldn't develop Final Fantasy VII for the Nintendo 64. Mm-hmm. So they left Nintendo and moved to Sony and PlayStation. And basically Nintendo then blacklisted them for a while. They, they couldn't develop for their consoles. Right. Um, but this, um, tape basically explains why they made that decision. Mm-hmm. It's such a weird thing that exists. And so it has a, it's 20 minutes long. It has an interview with Hironobu Sakaguchi. Uh, Yoshinaru Katase, uh, and Nojima, they're all explaining what the, um, thing that led up to this decision was and how it affected the game and what it let them do. And then there's a, mm. a, a, a trailer role. So there's a few different trailers for games that will be coming to PlayStation from Squaresoft. Right. I bought that. It was about 20 pounds. Sure. There's so many different types. So there's one called Street Fighter Smash to the Next Level, which is a promotional tape before Street Fighter 2 came out. Um, telling people why they should buy this and play it over the arcade version. And it was from 1991, I assume, mm. which is when Street Fighter 2 came out, I think. And it is the most 90s thing. It's hosted by a teenager with a backwards cap who's like, <laughs> whoa, radical. <laughs> and he's like, the, the, it's just so 90s. And then there's a, a roll of, um, trailers for Street Fighter toys and stuff after they've told you why it's going to be so good. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a few more, uh, Nintendo Power used to bring out these. This is all American, by the way. It never happened over here, yep. which is why I'd never heard of it. Um, Nintendo Power, which is a, a Nintendo magazine, which I think, did it come out here or was it just America? It was imported. Right. Um, um, but if you subscribe to it, at least in America, they would send subscribers Nintendo promotional tapes okay. for things like Donkey Kong Country had one, um, which there was one for the Rumble Pack specifically, right? Uh, which featured Nathan Fillion. Uh which is really strange. Before he was famous, or like way know. before Castle and Firefly. Yeah, um, he looks so young, scrawny, uh, a bit greasy. It's weird. Right. Um, there's one for Star Fox. It's one for Yoshi's Island, and they're not expensive. Mm. You can find them and buy them for 
about ten pounds each. Right. Um, which I think is because first off, like nobody knows that they're a thing, or yeah. nobody cares that they're a thing. Um, they've probably not got very long shelf life being VHS tapes. You won't be able to play them in about ten years, probably. They'll they'll deteriorate. Right? Yeah. But I want them. <laughs> I'm going to buy so many of them. I already bought the Final Fantasy one. Yeah. Uh, my next one I want is the Rumble Pack one, specifically because it's, it's odd that Nathan Fillion is in it. I mean, is it how long is this tape? The tapes are maybe 15, 20 minutes each. Right. They are basically long promotional videos. They're almost adverts. There's one for, the one for Donkey Kong Country is interesting because, um, they go to Nintendo of America. Uh, it's hosted by this, like, surfer dude. Right. And they go to Nintendo of America. And they, you, they're walking around Nintendo of America talking to people about these games. And then they go to, like, Treehouse. Uh. uh and speak to Treehouse. Which, uh, I thought was a new thing. I never knew that they were around that long. Okay. Um, there's ones for, um. What, like Nintendo Treehouse? Yeah, Nintendo Treehouse. Oh, and they're the guys that do the current. Localizations and stuff. And, right, right. Yeah. Okay. And, and the sort of, like, Nintendo Direct type things. And, uh, so they, they did a whole bunch of these for different games. And not just Nintendo. Uh, Sega did them. Mm. There's weird Sega ones. And so I was watching, there's a really great video that I found, um, which basically goes through a whole load of them. So this is where I found a lot of the ones that are, um, that I'm speaking about now, mm-hmm. uh, which is, uh, it's probably cool if we link it maybe in the description. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, but, uh, so I've kind of been going down that wormhole and I started looking at them on eBay. Um, there's weird ones as well. There's a, an, an, uh, a video about Pokemon trading card game. Okay. So there's loads of these weird VHS tapes that were out there promoting other things. Uh, that's not a video game, obviously. That's. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's my new. What well, is a video game thing. as well? Yeah, it is. Well, isn't so, but it was the, the, it was the Wizards this is of the Coast. A, yeah, uh, train card. Okay. Uh, it basically tells you about it. I had one that was similar. Um, my cousin gave me her old Magic: The Gathering starter set, and that came with a VHS tape that taught you how to play Magic. It's pretty cool. I don't I mean, have that's, it anymore. That's the... It was the only way to distribute video back then, yeah. really. Um, I mean, um, I'd imagine, as well as being for press, the some of the stuff that's like technical capabilities are um, like uh, when the, the Squaresoft one, when they were moving to PlayStation, that's yeah. potentially for the benefit of shareholders also. Yeah. So that they know, right, well, hang on, we're, we're investing money in this, but we can't publish on Nintendo anymore. Yeah. It's like, all right, okay, put your minds at rest. This is what we're doing. Yeah, and they really break it down. They're like, this is what we can now do, and this is why we couldn't do it. Mm. It doesn't feel like they're selling the game. There is some like marketing speech in there, so it's like uh, one of the taglines that comes up with is just like a multi-million dollar uh, game across three CD-ROMs. Mm. Um, but whether or not that's just an example of like, here's how we will sell it. Mm. Um the weird thing is I don't know who this was sent to. I couldn't find out. Yeah. Um, so if anyone knows, I'd love to know um, how you received this one. Because Square obviously weren't going to send it out through Nintendo Power. Yeah. I don't think Square had a, like a subscriber list or a mailing list. They may have done. But who who received this videotape? Because um, they were specifically mailed out to people mm. through the post. Uh, which is the thing. Um, all the boxes have like addresses on them mm. to the for the people that were receiving them, which sure. is a bit weird. There's, um, and that's the thing that I think is going to make them collectible is the people that they were mailed to probably aren't going to keep them. Mm. So there's going to be a limited amount of these things out there. Um, and also they're the kind of thing that can get destroyed easily. The boxes are going to be torn. A lot of them are torn. So I'm, I'm, a, I'm speculating a wee bit, but that's not really why I buy things. Yeah. Uh, no, that's cool. I mean, yeah. I remember back some of the demo discs used to have uh, promotional videos on them. Yeah, uh, like when there was new peripherals coming out for the PlayStation. They yeah, would, they would create these like crazy, um, like uh, 
god like just really zany adverts yeah uh, with like people showing you what they could do with like the new DualShock or the memory card or um there was there was a really there was a cracking one for crash bandicoot on one of the old demo discs and it was a video yeah uh, but it's a prom- promotional video for the game and it was like he was voiced by an australian guy and it was I, th- I think it was animated rather than like the japanese advert yeah where it was a guy in a suit um, in terms of like as well disc based ones, I know that in Japan there was a promotional disc for Final Fantasy VII which had certain cutscenes and interviews on it, and that goes for a lot. Right. Um, so whether or not this goes for less, just because it's because this that one I didn't I'd never heard of that as well. Dave found it, um, and uh, so there's obviously a market for promotional material. Um, but I don't know why these videotapes. Whether it's not as people know that they won't last. Hmm. But to me, that's secondary. You can still watch the videos online. Having the actual VHS tape with the packaging and stuff, that's what I want. Um, I mean, I suppose if, if they were being mailed out to people, it's it's probably more likely that you can guarantee that somebody's got a VHS player, back yeah. then at least, but not that they had a personal computer. Yeah. So, and I guess, like, you've got the secondary problem of encoding videos and stuff and yeah. like what what players people have or what operating system they use as yeah. well for that kind of stuff. So. I just think it's, it's, it's more that nobody now cares about them. No. Um, and video game collectors are, they will collect anything. <laughs> Speaking like, from experience. Yeah. Um, if it's a, it's a Final Fantasy thing. Yeah. It's something that is hard, not hard to get, but you can't just go and get it. It's like great collector fodder. Um, and it's, it's only going to get rarer mm. as they get destroyed or break or people don't care about them. Yeah. Um, but, it's, it's, it's a shame, but yeah. I so guess I, that's just, when they're made and when they're distributed, people don't really have that in mind. So. Yeah. And that's kind of where my collection is going at the moment is sort of, um, tangential things or, or things that are related to the game. Cause everyone, you can buy the game and you have it in your shelf and you play it. Um, it's not that interesting. So, uh, you're not going to play them all the time. So they are just on your shelf mm. for the most of the time. And you can look at them and go, ah, I really like that game. It's interesting but it's not an item that you would look and display and be like, this actual item is interesting. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of where I'm going with my collection now. Instead of just having shelves and shelves and shelves of video games, it's more a sort of uh, curiosities. Yeah. That's what's interesting me now. Um, as I sort of move away from buying retro games, which are getting more expensive because right. more people want them. Yeah. because they're, they're there's, you know, there's a big market for them now. Yeah. But then the sort of tangential thing, there's not really a market for that at the moment. So I'm going to get in on the ground floor and ride the VHS train to people won't care in five years or 10 years or 20 years. I'll be sitting there like, it's a promotional tape. And I'll be like, so? What, what is this? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's cool. That's my thing at the moment. Cool. Yeah. Not much more to say about it, but uh, maybe if I buy a few, I'll maybe tell you a bit more about some of the more interesting ones that I find. That'd be cool. And we'll post some of the videos in the blog post. Yeah, definitely. So please look forward to that. How are we doing? Uh, we, do we have much else? I am fresh out of games. Yep. I, uh, I'm i going to finish up then so we can be on our way and I can get back to Zelda. But before we go, here's a, here's a poorly remembered game quote. Uh, let's see if you can get this. Come on, you big drip. Where are you going? So who said it? And which game was it in? And if you've got any feedback or any stories you want read out on the show, just get in touch with us. Uh, you can do so by emailing podcast at azarin.com you can leave a message on our facebook page we have the azarin podcast and ozarin and there's a, a form on azarin.com if you you know you want the, the easiest option but let us know 
what you think and let us know what you've been playing yeah cool well thanks for listening all the way to the end yeah thanks guys we'll be back again soon with another podcast yeah and hopefully another Dave yeah hopefully Dave he's, he's been he's away drinking he's in, in Wick in Wick he's probably having a fun time yeah he certainly is they were playing Mario Party I know that much cool video games and stuff video games and stuff bye bye